Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Co-Sleeping. I'm Amanda. And I'm Adriana. And today we're super excited to be joined by Tara Clark, author, content creator, podcast host, and mom behind Modern Mom Props on Instagram. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Good morning. We're so excited to have you. I know I was just telling you before we hit record that you were the first mom page that I started following on Instagram when I was pregnant with my daughter. So I know a lot of our followers are followers of yours and you know, love your content, love the work that you do. But could you just dive in and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I am the mother to one nine-year-old son. And I started the account when he was three because when you have three-year-olds, like there's just so much funny content and also just so much going on with toddlers versus, I guess, now with a nine-year-old. So I, I started my account, Modern Mom Probs, to be I guess it's sort of like a creative outlet. I wanted to meet moms. I wanted to have a way to like reach out and touch people, so to speak. I lived in New York City at the time, and believe it or not, it was very lonely. I did not have a lot of mom friends, and I definitely didn't have a village. So guess what? I created my own. And here we are now, several years later, and I'm so thrilled to be chatting with people and communicating with you guys and followers all over the country and all over the world. So your survival guide, which is a hit, and if anyone hasn't picked it up yet, you have to. Your survival guide talks about 99 problems facing modern mothers. What are some of the biggest challenges that you think moms are facing today? Yeah, it's such a good question because when I started the account several years ago, I sort of thought the concept of a modern mom prob was more of like a first world problem. You know, it was more like running out and grabbing coffee or going to Target or something like that. But then over time, the account really evolved and even like the concept of what I was referring to as a modern mom problem evolved because then we had a pandemic and we had so many other things that like we never would have anticipated in a thousand years impacting our motherhood in our day-to-day lives. When I first started thinking about the concept of like the 99 modern mom problems, it might have been, you know, silly things like going to a big box store. But really, it's evolved into more things. You know, I talk about loneliness. I talk about maternal mental health. We talk about pregnancy loss, infertility, all of those things that are obviously heavier in nature than something silly like, you know, target runs. Just a couple of the modern mom problems that I discuss in the book. The whole premise of the book is like, I got 99 problems, but motherhood ain't one. And so they really range. I mean, some of them are very funny and some of them are very serious, as I mentioned above. So I I really go through everything from chicken nuggets to (laughs) clipping your baby's fingernails, which is super challenging, to like the correct way to wear a baby. We talk about co-sleeping. We talk about coffee. We talk about all of those things in the book. All of our favorite things. I love the 99 problems, but motherhood ain't one. As a Jay-Z fan, I'm like, I just, I love it. I think it's so creative. And if we were really sitting here, I could probably very quickly think of 99 things. My big modern mom prop is that the local Starbucks in my town doesn't have a drive through And I never realized like pre-Kennedy, my daughter, I was like, okay, like I order online, I run in there. But now when it's like December and I'm getting an iced coffee, like, you know, the East Coast person I am, mm-hmm. like I have to get her out of the car seat. We have to walk in. We have to wait. And then, you know, you're adding on a cake pop and all of these extra things that they see when they walk in the store. Yep. So I just, I love the concept of these things that, especially pre-motherhood, we didn't even think of are now like daily occurrences and our actual, you know, real problems. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about running errands. Like years ago, we'd be like, oh, I have to run errands. And now you're like, oh, I get to run errands alone. Let me get in the car and go to the post office or let me go in the car. and I don't know, go to the bank. That stuff used to be so monotonous and tedious years ago. And now it's like sort of a mini vacation. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you also touched upon the fact that modern mom probs have even evolved more so in the last couple of years with Mm -hmm. the pandemic, you know, even just building your own little mini community of mom friends and meeting people in your area, wherever it is that you might be is a lot tougher. People are I don't want to say cagey, that's definitely not the right word, but people are a little more guarded and you don't Mm -hmm. know how comfortable people are. You know, everyone's kind of, everyone's on guard a little bit and it's tougher to meet people. And that loneliness that you described is, I think, more prevalent than ever now. Yeah, I I agree. There is something sort of inherently lonely about being a mother to small children. If you're a stay-at-home mom at the time, you're home with the children all day. The children don't necessarily speak back, right? (laughs) Because they're babies or they're toddlers. You're craving that adult interaction. And so my son and I would spend a lot of time in Central Park in New York City. And so we were constantly going for walks. We were going in the playgrounds and we would meet a lot of friends in the playground. Even if these were friends that you played with once, then you never see them again. Totally fine. That happened a lot. At least you're getting out there and you're speaking with people. I've spoken to so many mothers in the past year or so who said that it's heartbreaking to them because they can't go to the playground meet new moms, that they go to the playground to obviously have their children run around and play. And then the moms, as you mentioned, are sort of like cagey. It's a pandemic. You don't necessarily know who you're speaking with. You don't want to get sick or any of those things. And so I've been hearing so many mothers come to me and say, Tara, like I wish I could make new friends, but just given the current situation, it's really challenging. And I think that's why social media is so important. I know that's really why Coffee and Co-Sleeping was founded because that lack of the village, so many of us struggle with that. I know Mm -hmm. me personally, all of my family actually lives in Massachusetts and my husband and I and my daughter live in Maryland. Mm -hmm. So we are, you know, eight hours away from our closest family members. You know, our friends have become our family. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter has closer relationships with our closest friends and she unfortunately does with her blood aunts and uncles. Like right now, Auntie Deb is upstairs watching my daughter to record this and the friends Friends that really kind of come around you and rally, it's so important. I know after I had my daughter, I lost a lot of friends too. People that I thought were going to be friends for life. When my life changed to becoming a mom, they were no longer around. Especially if you choose to do things a little differently. You know, if you veer off from what society deems as normal, it's harder to make those close connections. You know, I know I've been in a room and I've said something about breastfeeding my three-year-old or her sleeping in bed and people kind of look at you like, and I'm like, all right, so I'm feeling the vibe a little bit. You guys think that's odd. So just going to step back a little bit. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I breastfed my son until he was two and a half. And trust me, if he could still do it now at nine, he probably would. He nursed until he was two and a half. I myself nursed, I think, until I was three years old too. So I think we were very lucky to be able Mm -hmm. to have that time together. Can I just say it's a little refreshing to talk to another mom that is a mom to one boy because just my son and I, and it's been so wonderful exploring that relationship with him. You know, of course there are the challenges and as we're speaking, you know, the challenges run the gamut from our Starbucks not having a drive through to like being extremely isolated and Mm -hmm. going through these periods of feeling like you just need human connection. But despite all of that, I'm so grateful for my son and for this time with him. You know, I definitely don't take it for granted. But can you talk a little bit about what it's like to be a mom to one? Yes. So I am an only child with an only child, which I feel like doesn't happen so often. My parents divorced when I was two. Neither of them got remarried and had other children. And I loved it. I always did. If anything, I would have wanted like maybe an older brother so I could like hang out with, I don't know, his older brother friends. (laughs) That wasn't in the cards. But I, I loved being an only child. And I have a cousin, Erica. She's also an only child. So she and I were raised practically like sisters because when you have two only children cousins and you put them 
them together. It, it worked out beautifully. With Jack, that's my son, with Jack, we had such a challenging time having him. We had three miscarriages and then unexplained infertility after that. Then we had three IUIs. And finally, I you know got pregnant with him and kept it. And there he was and a beautiful baby boy. And my husband and I said to each other at the time, if we have this baby, if we have a baby, any baby, we'll never ask for anything again. We will be just so over the moon. We'll never ask for anything again. We'll never rock the boat. And we didn't. And that was it. And so we had Jack. And I love having an only child. And like I said, I was accustomed to it. I know what makes an only child tick. I understand the dynamics of that within a family. Although our family is different because my husband and I are married. So it's the three of us versus when I was a child, it was just my mom and I. I love Jack is my best buddy. He and I sleep together at night. Right now, my husband's getting over pneumonia, actually. So he, he's, he's <laughs> in his – yeah, it's a little little tricky. So he's currently in Jack's room, but Jack's sleeping with me. We're buddies. We are a team. And he knows that we're a team. And he knows that being a team member is what makes this family work. I could speak about only children all day long. That's really refreshing to hear. I think that's a perspective that we don't hear of a lot. And I feel like a lot of the times as parents to only children, there's almost this like immediate sense of needing to justify it or like explain it. It's really nice to hear that just, nope, this was the decision and we're extremely happy. And I have talked to a few other mothers to only children Mm -hmm. and their children are now in college and they've all said, I've never thought twice about it. It's not something I've ever regretted. And I'm, you know, 30 years into parenthood. So it was really refreshing to hear your answer. I'm so glad to, like, to hear that as well. And, and, and that's true. So like I said, I was very close with my cousin Erica. She went on to have a great career. And now she is married and she has four children of her own. <laughs> I think because her husband is one of four. So that was what they wanted their family makeup to be. My husband has a cousin who she is also an only child and she's an attorney now. So we've seen great success out of the only children in our families. And I think too, right when we get married, like my husband and I, we got married at 19 and it was like, okay, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? And we waited. I mean, we were kids ourselves. We waited seven years before having our daughter. And then she probably wasn't even six months old. It's like, when are you having another one? Mm -hmm. And I was only 26 when I had her. I'm like, I'm still so young. Like, let me enjoy this moment. You know, let me breathe. Like right now, six months old, I was just trying to survive. And then, you know, she turned one and the questions never stopped. You know, my husband and I do want more children. And I know, you know, if we ever have another girl, it's like, okay, you trying for a boy. It seems like whatever parents choose to do, it's just never good enough for everybody. When are you having more? And we never know what somebody's going through. I mean, just following you and knowing a bit about you, we would never know that your journey to have your son Jack looked like that. So I think we need to be so conscious of the things that we say to people because you never know what somebody's struggling with. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You're so right. The same thing happened to us. My husband and I are high school sweethearts. So we've been together since we were 15. We didn't get married until we were 26. And again, that's when the questions start happening like, oh, when are you going to have kids? This and that. We wanted to wait until we were a little bit closer to 30, but not quite 30 to start having Mm -hmm. kids. And we wanted to enjoy our 20s a bit. And so I think we started maybe when we were like 28 or so. And it just didn't happen for us then. Like I said, then we had like, you know, several miscarriages and it was devastating. And and it took us several years until we had Jack and we were 32 when I had him. Sometimes biology is just not on your side. And sometimes it's just not in the cards when you think it should be or when you know when you're hoping it to. But you're right. People always ask like, gosh, like you've been married for six years now. Why don't you have children? This and that. What's wrong? with you. And sometimes they just, they don't know what's wrong with you. 
And everyone blames the woman, too. Everyone's always like, oh, what's going on with you? It's never that it could be something with the man, too. People don't take any of that into account. We're just so quick to blame. It has to be the woman's fault. Something's not right. Mm -hmm. Always. It's always that case. It's so frustrating. And I mean, in my situation, I became a solo parent very unexpectedly. Uh, Marriage dissolved right after I had my son. So the option was taken away from me to even Mm -hmm. think about having more children. And I'm 30. I'm almost... How old am I? Am I 34 now? Oh my God. I think you'll be 35 in October, right? Maybe 35. I was going to say 33. I'm almost 35. (laughs) So yeah. So sometimes there are many things that come into play. And I think it's a decision that for some people might come easily, for others not. But it's definitely something that others feel a little too comfortable with asking about. So Mm -hmm. I, I am glad that we chatted about this a bit. It's important to normalize these conversations because these kinds of things, especially 10 years ago, were like super taboo. You know, even the the concept of talking about miscarriage, pregnancy loss, infertility, all of those things were so taboo because we didn't have the platforms that we do now. Like, thank goodness we have these kinds of podcasts and we have Instagram and Facebook to talk about these things because 10 years ago, it still was not as normalized as it currently is. And I think like the more we talk about it, the better. Then people know Mm -hmm. that they're not alone. I thought when I was going through all of that pregnancy loss and infertility stuff, like I really felt alone. There was nobody in the world that was going through what I was going through at that time. And that's not true. It's just simply not true. I don't want anyone else to ever feel in that same position. One thing I love about your platform is that it's so broad spectrum, meaning that there have been posts of yours where I'm like laughing and sending to like everyone I know. And there are posts of yours that have made me like tear up in the middle of the night as I'm scrolling and just like in a good way. I love that about your page. Not that other accounts box themselves in, but we all kind of have our niche. We all have our thing, you know, in the motherhood, social media world. And your account is just, I don't think there's been a post that I haven't related to, whether it is touching or funny or talking about even clothing and uh, how we feel when we dress a certain way and taking care of ourselves. I mean, there hasn't been a thing I haven't related to. And I'm sure that's why you have a 700,000 plus following. So so um, I really do appreciate that. that about your page. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, it's, it's really, it's, it's so kind of you to say that. I take those words to heart so much. And so I can't begin to explain to you how much that means to me. So thank you. So what, when I write content, my own original content, or when I repost content from friends of mine, I think very carefully about everything I put up there. I don't put up anything that I don't have a good feeling about. I don't put up anything that I think would, you know, obviously try to hurt somebody or offend somebody. I never like to make jokes on the backs of anyone else. A lot of thought and care goes to all of the things that are posted on the page. And I think a lot of people underestimate the amount of work that you put into it too, because so much work goes into social media and building these communities and these platforms of women that trust you. And I'm sure moms and dads who trust you that follow you and you know, seek advice and a good laugh. So I want to ask, why is it so important? Because I know your book highlights some of the funnier topics as well as the serious topics. Mm -hmm. Why was it so important for you to kind of weave both of these in together? I think that's just inherently who I am. And that's like inherently what the account is about. Because as we mentioned before, like it's pretty broad. You know, some accounts are very niche. Like they're just going to focus on this one thing. And depending on which marketing people tell you, most people say like, go super niche, go super niche. I want to resonate with as many people as I can. And I want as many people to get advice as they can. Not all of the advice pertains to them, but if they could grab little snippets here and there, then that's fantastic. And then mission accomplished. I like to say that the book is the analog version of the Instagram account. And so whereas the Instagram account is both inspirational and funny and provides real advice, 
the book does the same. And so I don't ever like anything to be too, too heavy where it's just depressing all the time or like the weight of the world is on your shoulders all the time. So that's why I intricately try to weave through the inspirational, the funny, and the serious topics. As we're talking about social media a bit now, I think this would be a good clip to cover the three of us. I actually want to hear both of your thoughts. Amanda, I haven't asked you about your thoughts on this clip either, but I really want to hear Tara's as well. That clip, I know we've all seen it circulating of you only have four years with your kids as little kids or whatever it is, something to that Mm -hmm. effect. And it's like the sappy music and this like guy kind of talking over like a montage of children and how like it is so fleeting, so you better not miss it. I personally absolutely hate the video. As someone with like, damn, I hate it. As someone with like anxiety over the passing of time in general, son, no son, parent, not parent, doesn't matter. I, that's something I've always had anxiety about is just a voice to all of my inner anxieties. And then as a mother to my son, who is going to be my only child. And that's something I already kind of think about. It brings up all of the things within me that I really try to not suppress, but not give a lot of energy to. And I also don't like this notion that they're enjoyable for four years, you know, and then it's over. And then the fun's over, the cute moments are over, and you have a kid. So good luck. I just, I don't like the premise of it at all. To kind of tie it into our conversation, I think it puts this unnecessary amount of pressure on parents, but really on mothers to enjoy it in this unattainable way. Yeah. Bravo. Like standing ovation. If you could see me right now, which you can to like, I'm giving you a standing ovation and like jumping through the computer to give you a hug. I agree a hundred thousand percent on that. As a veteran parent, that's like my new line. I always say that to people because my son is nine and a half now. So I've, I've been a parent for a while. So as a veteran parent, I can speak to this, right? We lived through those first four or five years. And let me tell you, those are challenging. Those are years Mm -hmm. that I actually would not want to get back. My favorite years that I've had so far are between my son's ages of six and nine and a half. So you could take your babies and your toddlers and your four years and all that kind of stuff. Give me the older children because they are so much fun. Thank you for admitting that. I don't think many people would be honest and just say, hey, you know what? That's like telling people high school, their best years of your life. Like, absolutely, they were not. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of thoughts on the video. I actually didn't even finish the whole video. My sister um, sent it to both my husband and I. My husband watched the whole thing. I cut it off like halfway through because I agree with you, Adriana. I feel like as a mom, as a wife, as somebody who works, all of these things, I have enough pressure on me. And counting down the moments until my daughter's fourth birthday is not something I'm going to do. It's less than six months. I can't get on board with the fact that after October, you know, October 23rd, the day after her birthday, she's four years in one day that our best moments are behind us. Because I look at like our nanny who has three older children and the moments that they share in the story, she tells me they sound just as great as the moments I'm having now with my daughter. Every phase of life has its own enjoyable moments and not so enjoyable moments. And I just think I agree with you, Adrian. I think it just puts this pressure on us that we already have enough of it. I'm my worst critic as it is. I'm always second guessing myself or, you know, telling myself that I didn't do enough. I don't need this viral Instagram TikTok video telling me that I need to be doing more before she turns four because then whoop, clock's up. Honestly, I think the clock only just starts at that point. Four was when my son became like really enjoyable to be around. And I love that. I know we try very hard on our account and our podcast to do this. And I know you do as well, but normalize not loving every minute of motherhood. You know, some days are just hard. I know 
literally just the other day, my husband was off and I was working. My daughter was home with him all day and he was saying how he did all this yard work and they had such a great day and bragging about how great his day was. And I was with her for a half hour for bath time. She was melting down the whole time. I was upset. I was frustrated. And I looked at him and I was like, how do you go nine hours and you have the most perfect day together and I can't even make it through a 30 minute bath. It felt so defeating to me. It's like, you know what? It was just a hard moment. You know, it wasn't a hard day. It wasn't a hard week. It's just, we have these moments, you know, we're not perfect people, no matter how hard we try to be. Absolutely. My takeaway on that one is that she was probably super overtired from all of the <laughs> all of the yard work that she did with dad that she just needed to go to sleep at that point. Yes, definitely. Just wanted to take a quick break to talk about Oh Hey Mama Hair, the official hair care of momhood. Oh Hey Mama is scalp care made for postpartum hormonal and thinning hair types. I know you guys have heard me talk about my hair loss and changes I had while I was pregnant with my daughter and how my hair never really quite went back to what it was before. That's why I love Oh Hey Mama Hair Care. Their products are designed not only for postpartum but beyond. Using plant-based ingredients, they smell great and all without harmful chemicals. I've been using their nourishing scalp wash and my hair feels softer, stronger, and has allowed me to go longer between wash days, which us moms know is a huge plus. Some of the other must-have products include the restorative hair serum and rapid replenish conditioner. Oh Hey Mama is small batch crafted, mom owned, and made with love in the USA. For the month of May, they are teaming up with some of their favorite fellow small businesses to do a mom products giveaway. Make sure you head on over to their Instagram at Oh Hey Mama Hair to enter. And check out their website at ohheymamahair.com to order your new must-have hair products today. Happy shopping! In your book, because you keep it so light and so funny, try to weave that throughout. Can we talk about the great chicken nugget debate? <laughs> yeah. Can we can we let everyone know who is your uh, your top? I know I have my own thoughts. I take chicken nuggets very seriously, even pre motherhood. You know, it's kind of my go to. Not that I'm like a picky eater or anything. I just who doesn't love chicken nuggets? Yeah, no, chicken nuggets are important. My son is I like to call it a selective eater. He only has you know maybe ten foods in his repertoire. Chicken nuggets is definitely one. One of them. So in the book, I sort of break down different chicken nuggets from different fast food places. And we could throw in, you know, non-fast food places as well. Ultimately, ultimately, I say the best kind of chicken nuggets are the ones that you can give to your children the fastest. So when they're hungry and when they're cranky, whichever ones that you could either go through the drive-thru or pull out of your air fryer and give to your children hot and crispy and fresh so that they could shut up and eat them, those are the best ones. Totally fair. <laughs> but I mean, if you want to talk about brands, we could talk about brands. I like Wendy's. I don't know if you guys have Wendy's where you are. We do. I like Wendy's. I'm a big uh, Chick-fil-A person myself. Chick-fil-A is good too. We don't have as many of them around here. My son is going the vegetarian route on his own. That's awesome. <laughs> My son likes to think he's a vegan. He's actually not quite. I feel like that's another um, probably modern mom prob is the pressure of what to feed your children. And I can kind of, I get wrapped up in that a lot too. And sometimes I hear myself, like my mother-in-law was giving some candy or whatever. And I was asking about if it had artificial like colors in it. And I could hear myself saying, and as soon as I finished my sentence out loud, I said, I was like, oh my God, I'm so annoying. Sorry. But I actually do care about it. But there's so much pressure of doing baby led weaning and posting it on social media and trying all these new foods. And it's like, they're all going to eat dirt and Anyway. Yeah. And I tell myself that for somebody who likes to buy, you know, all natural and organic, I'm like, she's 
probably going to put a rock in her mouth later today. Yeah. No, it, it's so true. <laughs> I was obsessed with that when Jack was little. I used to go to the store and buy whole organic carrots that I would peel, steam, and put in the baby steamer to make our own organic baby food. So yes, I am so with you on that one. Blueberries, we used to joke that my son had a pack-a-day habit with blueberries because he would eat an entire pack of blueberries every day, which was not only expensive, but his poop was blue. That was like such a huge, huge concern of mine for probably maybe the first year of his life. Then when he became a toddler, he was like, oh, I don't eat any of this stuff. I'm not going to touch a blueberry. And so then he became very selective. And now he eats garbage. I mean, now he's like Doritos and potato chips and he's on the slim side. So anything that I can get into his body to give him the calories that he needs to survive and thrive and run around and be a regular nine-year-old kid is what I do. So to think back and think how obsessed I was. And, and I believe health is very important. I believe it's important to be fit and eat healthy foods. But trust me, eventually, they're going to eat Doritos. I mean, hopefully Doritos are good. I want an excuse to have more Doritos in the house. <laughs> it definitely, yeah. There was there was like years, especially maybe the first four years of his life that like we did not have snacks like that in our house at all. You know, like you don't even think about getting crap. But then after a while you know, when they become, like I said, like six, seven, eight, nine, then you get all the crap back in your house. That was my number one craving with my daughter when I was pregnant, nacho cheese Doritos. On my lunch break at work, I used to walk around the building while eating a bag and people would just look at me laughing. Like, what is this, the irony? What is this girl doing? I wanted to ask, because we haven't really mentioned it, when Jack was born, did you make the decision to stay home with him or did you return to work? Oh, that's an excellent question. Before Jack was born, I worked at Nickelodeon in New York City and I loved Nickelodeon. I had been there for a five years. It's a great company with incredibly talented people. It was the best job I've ever had. And I loved Nickelodeon. When I was pregnant with Jack, or after I had him, I had two or three months of maternity leave. And when I was faced with going back to the office full time, I asked them, can I go back part time? And they said, no, it's all or nothing. It's either full time, five days a week, or nothing at all. And I said, okay, well, it's going to be nothing at all. So I stayed home with Jack for a couple months. And then I got a very brief job at an ad agency that was part-time. And it just wasn't for me. I just didn't love it. I left there after only maybe a few weeks or so. And then I was home with him full-time until I started Modern Mom Probs and he was like three. I felt this immense pressure to go back to work after he was born because living in New York City, that's sort of what people do often. So then I was like, well, I guess that's just what I have to do. And I just, you know, took the leap and said, no. And not to mention that like daycare is so expensive in Manhattan that you're practically working to pay for daycare. I just decided that wasn't worth it. And I wanted to be able to spend time with him. And I did. And like I said, we went for walks and played in the park and made baby food and did all of that stuff. Yeah. And I know right now something that a lot of moms are facing with the pandemic sort of shifting the landscape, just professional landscape in general. A lot of places are offering the flexibility to work from home. And while that sounds great, it also poses a lot of challenges. And I've spoken to a lot of moms, even through our Instagram platform and in my life personally, about how difficult these decisions are to navigate. Like you said, my salary was covering what the cost of daycare would have been. And emotionally, I didn't feel ready to leave my son when he was 90 days old. I just mm -hmm. didn't. And that's not to shame anyone who does. I have friends who are like, I was ready. I was out the door, you know? So mm -hmm. there's no right or wrong, but the lack of support in early motherhood, 
on a much larger structural level is jarring, especially we're in the United States. I don't think it should be that way, but it is. Um, yes, but at absolutely. Any rate, you know, it's 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 a difficult thing to decide. I don't know that unless you speak to other moms, it's it's really not something that's relatable for other people because there's this emotional tie to your child, and for a lot of people, there's an emotional tie to their sense of worth within their professional uh, life. It's a big decision. And I know that this new way to work, which is working from home with little ones, is also challenging. It sounds like kind of the perfect in between, but it's also challenging. And then you get into, well, it seems like you're not happy with anything. You don't want to go into the office. You don't want to stay home at work. You don't want it to. And it's just like, no, there are just a lot of stipulations with each of these decisions. There are a lot. You know, there is no perfect anything. But there's just a lot that goes into any decision that you make as a mother and not only how that affects your child, but how it affects you. Yeah. I love that you touched on your self-worth as an employee, because I think that was something that I really struggled with after Jack was born too, because you were always defined by your career, right? Like, oh, she's a marketing manager or she's a lawyer or whatever it happens to be. And so when you take a step back and you are no longer a marketing manager, you're just Tara. That was odd at first, but then I fully embraced that. I was like, I am not defined by anything. I am defined by me or I'm defined as my role as a mother if I choose that to be my definition at that point. And so I think it's important to make that distinction that you are not your career title. You are not a, a sum of the tasks that you perform at your job. And I think for me, I have like kind of a different dynamic, I guess, where my husband's active duty military, I feel like I'm so often defined by his career. You know, where we live, the military decides a lot for us, unfortunately. And it's pretty common in the military world for spouses not to work just because it's easier. They, you know, they, their schedules are so demanding. You need one constant. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was always so important to work. So I had something outside of that. You know, I went to college, I got this degree, like did the military pay for it? Yeah. But that's besides the point, but this <laughs> was something that I did. So I had that same conversation with my work when I was pregnant that you had that I was like, Hey, like I want to go part-time. Like this isn't feasible. I, you know, I have an hour commute. Childcare is expensive. Thankfully we're like, yeah, you can work two days a week. And I was like, thank God. Cause I couldn't have imagined giving 110% to work and then trying to give that same effort to my family because you just can't. You're one person. And I think I'm trying to do math in my head. I, I believe we're all millennial moms. I just think there's so much pressure on us that we're expected to balance everything. It's like, why can't you work 40 hours a week, bring the kids to their six different activities and have dinner ready by 630? And it's like, because I'm human, I'm one person. Like I can't, I can't do it all. <laughs> Absolutely. That's where setting boundaries comes in. That's where saying no to certain things, things that don't serve you necessarily, or even asking for help if your child needs a ride to their six different activities. You know, maybe ask that one mom friend that you trust to pick up and drop off. I'm even learning that now as a, a veteran parent that sometimes you just need to ask for help from your friends in the community. And more often than not, they're going to say, oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'd love to help out. As a veteran mom, I wanted to ask, right now we have this resource. You know, social media is at our fingertips. Most of us are scrolling on and off throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And while I think it's so wonderful that we have all of this information and, you know, you can make informed decisions based on what you're taking in through social media about motherhood, about decisions in parenthood. As a veteran parent, looking back, while I do think that it's wonderful that we have this resource, the almost oversaturation and inundation of information and 
you'll see one thing that says something and then another that says the opposite. It can be very overwhelming. And this is something that we hear from moms a lot on our page as well, is that, you know, how do you know what to listen to? How do you filter through the information? And our go-to answer is always listen to yourself first, trust your instincts. But that can be hard to do with all of this outside what can feel like noise sometimes. So if you were to go back, do you think it would have been helpful to have this much information readily available to you? That is definitely a modern mom problem, right? The oversaturation of information and Dr. Google and all of those different things. Thinking back, yes, I think oh, it, it is, it's such a complicated topic and discussion. Thinking back, I would say, yes, I, I would like to have had certain information. Uh, I think it would have been great to talk about hard things like infertility or pregnancy loss, miscarriage. That would have been wonderful to know that you're not alone. But then having to think about like BPA and plastics or toxins in food and all of those things that sort of like play into our anxiety as modern moms really is really challenging. I saw an interesting headline. I subscribed to the Scary Mommy email newsletter. And there was one that came up yesterday. The headline was something along the lines of, I'm so sick of Instagram parenting advice. And so I didn't get a chance to like really click through Amen. to read the article. But I think that we are starting to reach a tipping point now where people are starting to see through it a bit. You know, at first people were like desperate for answers. Like, tell me how to do, you know, sleep training. Tell me how to feed. Tell me how to baby led wean. All of those things. And now everyone and their mother is coming out with all of this advice and content about it. And people are like overwhelmed and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we, we didn't ask for all of this advice. Like it, it's almost like a tidal wave of content and advice that's hitting Instagram every day. So I, I should really go back and read that article from the newsletter. I related to that because yeah, I also am sort of sick of Instagram advice <laughs> after a while. I think it really hit big during the pandemic because people were desperate during that time during like lockdown and to try to get parenting advice. And now that we're, you know, two years into it, that amount of information has not subsided. If you could think of us as like a cup or a bucket, like I think we're full of that information. You know, mm -hmm. we're like, we can't take any more information, like stop pouring this into our bucket. We don't have any more space for it. Yeah, I feel that a lot. I feel like on Instagram, I feel like everyone's an expert all of a sudden and everybody knows everything about your child. And it's like, no, like some of this is very helpful, but some of it is just very overwhelming. And I know it can make you second guess yourself and doubt you know, the decisions that you're making. But while we're talking about advice, you mentioned, of course, you are your, you know, a business owner. What is your best advice for a mom who wants to start a business as Just well? Just do it. When I started my Instagram page several years ago, this was actually sort of like in the early ages of Instagram, which I was very lucky to sort of be on like the forefront of that. I had said to my friends and family, including my husband, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a parenting Instagram page. And everyone was like, what? What are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I'm going to like make content. I'm going to like put it on the page. And they're like, yeah, what? I, I I, don't really understand. I was like, don't don't worry. You don't have to understand. Like <laughs> just support me on this one. You know, like I'm going to do it and then follow mm -hmm. me. And so then I did. And then it kind of just went from there. So my point is, is like whether or not your family understands what you're doing or maybe, you know, it's sort of above their head because it's on the like the early side of it. Just get their support, garner their support, have them be behind you in doing it. And then as far as once you do start doing it, these are my two things I would say. One, ask for help, whether it's for childcare or like I said, dropping off at different activities and things like that. 
And two, set boundaries because you are only one person. You can't do all of the things all of the time for all of the people. So you need to really know when to say no and when to say no to certain opportunities, whether they're professional or then certain things in your personal life as well, because you just can't be everywhere at the same time. That's such a great point. I've seen your posts on Instagram on this about competition. And I think that if you're doing something for the right reasons, and that right reason being that it's within you, it's something you're passionate about or that you care about, regardless of what anyone might think, Mm -hmm. then I think it sort of takes that element of competition, not completely away, but down to a degree, because you're not necessarily doing something for any other reason than it brings you joy and it's something that you feel passionate about. Yeah, 100%. I mean, everything that I do with Modern Mom Probs is for what you just said, is like because it brings me joy. Like there are times where it's like, could I post this thing or that thing or do this promotion or that promotion? Yes, I suppose I could, but does it spark joy in me? No. So then I'm going to say no to that. I say yes to the things that I want to help people with that I think will add value to the platform, will add value to the followers. But at the end of the day, if it's not making you happy, then why are you doing it? I think that's so evident to people who follow you too. You know, you can tell when someone feels genuinely connected to the content that they're sharing and that a lot goes into it versus them just kind of posting Mm -hmm. just to post. Boundaries is a big thing that I've definitely had to learn because, you know, our previous Instagram had 30,000 followers and the work before it was hacked and the work that went into that took a lot away from, you know, other things that I could have given more time to. So now where we had to relaunch things, you know, I'm obviously still 110% committed to this. But kind of having to set like even timers or kind of being a little bit more intentional with the posts and planning things out and getting ahead and not letting it kind of drain you because then it doesn't become fun anymore. And that's really what social media should be about. It should be about connecting and the fun. And like you said before, really building that community. So well said, Amanda, because that's like the story of my life. Could I be better on my time management? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do Do I always know what I'm going to post ahead of time? No, not really. So I understand. Maybe you and I together could take like a class on time management or something. Well, I would plan out, you know, 30 something days in advance, like to absolutely everything. And I'm like, okay, there's nothing wrong with working on Monday on a post for Wednesday. Like I don't need to get so ahead. You know, there's other things I could be doing than obsessing over the color scheme of, you know, or using the font twice Mm -hmm. in a row or using, you know, a little bit different shade of pink. Like sometimes I would look at the page and be like, oh, I should have posted that one because the pinks are off. And it's like, do you think one person notices that? No. But here I am stressing about it for 20 minutes when I could be at the park with my daughter. Story of my life. I completely understand. I really, really do. I really, I relate to that so much because like only Mm. recently, this is a true story. So I've been doing this for a long time and only recently did I institute sort of a look to my grid where I have this sort of concept now where I do like a column of white posts, a column of pink posts. The third column is sort of a photo. So it could be a reel, it could be a photo. And so I've been sticking with that. And it's the first time in years did I give myself the parameter to work in. And I appreciate that because it helps my content calendar for the most part. And it helps me like work within this little box, if that makes sense. And so sometimes you have to like set your own boundaries for yourself, like you said, with timers on the phone. Gosh, I should be better about that. What I do to manage my time is that in my Google calendar, I put my tasks for the day in my calendar and I allocate certain time to that. So I know that I look at my calendar and at 10 o'clock I'm doing this podcast and then at 11.30 I'm doing this task and at noon I'm going to do that task. That's how I sort of keep myself straight each day. 
One word that keeps coming to mind as we're speaking and something that comes to mind a lot as I'm looking at your page or your survival guide is authenticity. You're just someone who is so authentically you. And I think when someone is authentically themselves, it resonates a lot with others. Speaking of authenticity and the success that that's really brought you, can you talk a little bit about, I know we talk about challenges, we talk about normalizing the tougher parts of motherhood and womanhood, but as someone who has garnered so much success just through doing what's true to you, can you talk about what's given you confidence both as a parent, but also as an entrepreneur? These conversations, conversations like this, when I get to speak with wonderful people like you, talking about my life experience, my professional experience, sometimes people, depending on what it is, don't necessarily get that sense from me through what I post. But I think I show up more, I should say, from podcast interviews and from my stories and stuff like that. I'm just a, a regular girl. Like I said before, I'm a regular girl in my sweatpants at my kitchen table, just you know, running a business and creating content and saying yes to opportunities and doing all of those things. That's why we can't see each other because we're also <laughs> sitting at our tables in our pajamas <laughs> had just woken up. That's why we opt not right, to right. do video. Yeah, I'm wearing a sweatshirt and some black cozy earth sweatpants. So before we go, the one question that we ask all of our guests, maybe the most important question, but what is your go-to coffee order? So you're going to laugh about this because I know this is obviously coffee and co-sleeping. I never go out for coffee because I have this incredible coffee machine at home. It's called a Yura. It was a gift that someone gave my husband because my husband had like gotten him a job essentially. And so the thank you gift was this like exceptional coffee maker. My Yura makes better coffee than going out for coffee. I never have to go out for coffee because it's just here and it's at the press of a button. So it grinds each bean, like the beans for each cup of coffee. And you could do like an espresso or regular coffee. And I love it. And I used to joke that, God forbid, if my house was ever on fire, I would grab two things. I would grab Jack and I would grab the Yura. My go-to coffee order there is in my kitchen and it's just a regular cup of coffee. For a creamer, I think I use like whatever generic stop and shop vanilla creamer. And let me tell you, you know, if Yura is listening to this, they should sponsor you and give you all the money in all of the coffee machines. With this Yura, it, it's so wonderful that I've actually convinced several people to buy them themselves because when they have the coffee, they're like, oh my God, Tara, I cannot live without this. Also agree that <laughs> I also make coffee every morning at home, but would you agree that there's something like ritualistic about doing it yourself and like kind of having that little, I don't know, I take so much more. It, there's something joyful to me about doing that in the morning while my son's having breakfast than like jumping in the car and going to Starbucks now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, this literally is, it's one button to turn it on and then it's one button to make a cup of coffee. So I hit two buttons and I have this amazing cup of coffee. Like the way that it does, it has almost like a cream on the top. It's sort of like the crema. It's it's beautiful. That must have been a really good job because I'm Googling it. It is a $2,000 coffee maker. It was a really nice gift. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I And you know what? And this is why you're our people because I would grab my daughter, the coffee maker, and tell the dog that 
she better run fast <laughs> because I <laughs> totally agree with that. Right. I mean, she's fine. She would, she would figure it out, but that coffee maker, I mean, I only have the Ninja coffee bar, so it's cheap enough to replace, but this thing, yeah, it would, yes. it would be coming. Yeah. It me. would be heavy, but it's, <laughs> but it would be coming with yeah. me. That was the, probably the single <laughs> nicest gift that anyone has ever bought for us yeah. ever, 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 ever in my life ever. And that's why I think I hold it in such like high regard. One, because it makes a beautiful cup of coffee and two, it was a wonderful, thoughtful gift. So before we go, I know we've talked a lot about your Instagram, your book, but we just want our followers to know where they can find more about you. If they're not following you, where they can follow you. I know you have your book. You just launched a podcast. You got a lot going um, on. So my name is Tara Clark and you could find me on Instagram at Modern Mom Probs. I also have a website. It's modernmomprobs.com. Podcast with the same name. Book with the same name. Modern Mom Probs, a survival guide for 21st century mothers. You could buy it wherever books are sold online. So Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target, Amazon. I also have the Modern Mom Style Box, which is a rental clothing subscription service. Uh, you could find that at Modern Mom Style box.com and I think we covered everything yeah that's it follow me let's be friends well thank you so much Tara for joining us today this was such a wonderful conversation I know that it's going to resonate with a lot of moms and we're so excited to share it awesome thank you so much for having me ladies this was a really really wonderful conversation of course thank you so much for joining us like I said at the top of the show having you on I was like fangirling like all week and I was so nervous like I had a dream last night that we somehow missed the recording I was like so nervous because like I said you were the first mom page that I followed I know the work that you are doing on Instagram is so important so personally thank you so much for everything that you do and thank you so much for taking the time Aww, to join thank us thank you today. I want to give you guys a hug mm-hmm. 